This is Strange Assembly, episode 175. Welcome to the Cthulhu Brew. So what do you think, guys? Is that a painful enough amalgamation of the titles of the games we're going to talk about today? I mean, everybody comes here for the most painful portmanteaus, right? Right. So, I mean, are are you greeting Cthulhu's brew, or are you welcoming other people to the brew? I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the name of the people who renamed Dungeon of Mandom as Welcome to the Dungeon what they meant when they called it Welcome to the Dungeon. Okay. So, perhaps it's uh, meant ironically. This is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can visit us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or through iTunes or Stitcher. And if the thing that floats your boat the most in the whole world is painful episode titles, you can also visit us at patreon.com and become a patron of the podcast. We obviously would appreciate this. Ah, but today is just going to be a board game day. We have some a handful of games that we've played recently. Well, we have more than a handful of games that we've played recently, but we're not going to talk to you about all of them because we don't have, you know, four hours. So we're going to kick it off with, I, I think, a hot off the presses offering that Jay has played. Take it away, Jay. Okay. So I recently got Cthulhu's Vault from its Kickstarter so I'll be going off the Kickstarter edition. I think it's just the fancy packaging is the biggest difference. So Cthulhu's Vault, obviously from the title, is a Cthulhu-themed game. It's ostensibly a story game. You get the most amount of enjoyment playing it if you, you know, are are playing with a, a verbose group where you're telling, sto- telling stories as you play the cards. That's how you're ideally supposed to do it. Basically, the game is broken down into two main phases. The invest... Now I've blanked on the name and the rules are all the way over there. But there's the story phase where you're si- you're all just telling the story of how things are unfurling. And you've got these big story cards that each player takes a turn playing a story card and talking about what's happening. And as you play them, you are able to collect... There's several different pools of tokens in the middle, investigators, cultists, and the mystery, which could be either one. And so as you play the cards, at the very least, you're getting a couple of tokens out of those pools, and if you play the right cards, you have might have some other benefit, usually manipulating these tokens, getting more of them, stealing them from your neighbors, other manipulations like that. But generally the goal in this first phase, as I said, is you're telling the story of what's happening. Each card has some very nice art on it and a name of the card. And so, like, the ghouls attack, so we retreat back into the mansion and, you know, various Cthulhu-themed people, places, events, items that you might encounter. But eventually as you go through this, you're able to collect enough cultist tokens to awaken your elder god each player having an elder god that they are that they are attempting to summon 
once they do manage to wake up their Elder God, that's when you go into the second phase, the battle phase. At that point in time, whoever woke up their Elder God gets to be their Elder God. They get the Elder God attack deck, and they have their Elder God card. All the other players are now the investigators attempting to stop the Elder God. They each get an investigator. They're going to be using the investigator attack deck, which has simple things like, you know, pistols or dynamite or magical spells to cast. And at this point, you... There's... It's actually an interesting initiative mechanic where each player, there's a card for them, you put them into a deck, and then also based on how many investigators there are, you might put multiple Elder God cards in, you shuffle that up, and then you go through that each turn to figure out what activation order everyone gets, so you don't always know when in the order you're going to be going. But at this point, with the Elder God Awoken, he has a certain amount of health. All the investigators each have their own health. And uh, you do damage to each other until somebody wins. In the base iteration of the game, they have, it's pretty badly weighted in favor of the Elder God. They do provide some suggestions, though, for if you want to make it more balanced for the investigators. Nonetheless, I would say that it was a quite fun game. I do feel, I want to play it again with a more story-inclined group. I feel like the group, my regular group is not so story, so there's a a little nod to the story, but it's sort of, you know, we're getting our tokens and seeing if I can wake up my Elder God. It's less about the journey, which I think is really where the game will get interesting. But yeah, I... I, even if, even without all of the story aspect, I think it's a very fun game. If nothing else, if you are a fan of Cthulhu, you should look at picking it up because it's got a whole bunch of cards with very nice art for several of the Elder Gods and all sorts of other mythos-related things. Also, interestingly, their selection of Elder Gods Obviously, they have Cthulhu, but then they picked up a number of different other ones, and so in the back, it explains where all of these come from. For those not overly familiar with the Cthulhu mythos, it, to my understanding, it's H.P. Lovecraft did Cthulhu and did a bunch of them, but he never explicitly linked together all of these different Elder Gods. It was, I think, sometime in the 70s or 80s that somebody came in and linked the Lovecraft stuff with several other similar-type horror stories to make what we now know as the Cthulhu mythos. That's why I'm saying there's other Elder Gods than those that Lovecraft made for us. But so yeah, I would definitely recommend the game, especially if you're a fan of Cthulhu, and double especially if you're also a fan of more flavorful story-type games. I'm curious, Jay, if you are a Cthulhu fan, I don't know how how much of a Cthulhu fan you are exactly, at least moderately, (laughs) where does this stand for Cthulhu vibe, plus some gameplay with things like Eldritch Horror or Kingsport Festival or the rack of other Cthulhu games out there? Obviously, it's depending on which one we're talking about, but like, so you've got the Fantasy Flight ones. Mike, you're, you're more familiar, so correct me. You've got 
on one end of their spectrum elder sign and the other end is um what's the more deep one well arkham horror is the heaviest one historically although that's i don't think that's even supported anymore because they just do eldritch horror now right Uh, i they haven't put out a set for it but i don't think they've officially dropped support for it well i don't know Right, but I mean, even Elder Sign, which I would say is the lightest one of those, I still wouldn't necessarily pull up with non-gamer gamer friends, whereas I feel like this, especially because it has a lot more of the story aspect of telling it, does have a lot more opening for non-super gamer gamers, uh, without being so kidified light that it's not appealing to me as a gamer. Okay, that was Cthulhu's Vault. Kickstarter's recently out, and it is... Uh, the, the retail version has hit now as well, so that is available to pick up. During a, let's say recent, although I'm not sure how recent it actually was at this point, episode, I talked about how amazing Brewcrafters was and said, hey, I see that they also have this Brewcrafters the travel card game. I'm apparently going to buy it just because it has the same word in the title. And so I did end up doing that, and we've played it. And Mike, why don't you talk about that? Sure. So uh, Brew Crafters is a, a card game. The Brew Crafters, the card game, is a card game, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I believe it plays two to five, something like that. But essentially... It plays it plays two to four, but when you go to four, you're playing two on two teams. Gotcha. Because we played it as three, so I, we didn't get to see that. But essentially, there is a deck of cards. Everybody starts with four cards in hand, and then there are a number of cards in the middle row. I think there are five cards that are out face up that everybody can see. It's a collection game where you're turning your collections in for points as you brew beer. So every turn, you get to pick up two cards. You can either pick up a card from the middle row or from the top of the deck. Then once you get your two cards, you can either play a card from your hand or you can brew a beer. The beers are static. There's a card that tells you, okay, here's what the beers are. Here's what you need to actually brew them. And every card has two aspects to it. One is what you can play it for the like uh sorry so there will be people that you can hire equipment that you can play any of that stuff and when you play it you put it into your play area and it stays there for the rest of the game and it will give you different effects sometimes it's when you brew a beer you get to pick up a barley card that's out there sometimes it just reduces your cost to brew certain types of beer. Sometimes it gives you more victory points. Those are the, like the main different powers. So you can play a card that way and you put it down and it's permanently in your area and it increases your effect. Uh, it gives you an extra effect whenever you do something or reduces your cost or gives you more victory points, something like that. And then you play to a certain number of victory points, which I can't remember. It's just a certain number of victory points that you play to. So then, as you would probably expect, the different types of beers require different combinations of ingredients. The less point beers need less ingredients, and those ingredients tend to be more common. 
but they're not worth nearly as much as some of the more specialty beers, but those beers need a lot of ingredients and also need ingredients that tend to be rarer. Um, and because each ingredient is found on a card, somebody might pick that up and actually play it down, so you know you may never even see that again. So you kind of have to hedge your bets a little bit. It, it seemed a little bit risky to try to go for the big expensive beers it's time oh, expensive as in card expensive beers because if you needed like a cherry to make the brew that you wanted and a cherry just didn't come up you might sit a couple turns and not have super effective turns and that's really pretty much it just when somebody brews enough to actually hit the victory point total someone hits the victory point total everybody gets like a turn and then you total up right i think Everyone gets an even number of turns, so if you right. go first, everyone else will get another turn. If you went last, then the game will just be over. Right. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that sounds right. And then you just total up how many points you have, but typically it's it's pretty apparent who, from my memory, it's pretty apparent who won Well, because you, you have to add the points onto your scorecard as you brew each beer. Right. So it... Right. There's only a few structure bonuses that might affect it at the end of the game. It, yeah, yeah. There's one card that you play face that you would play into your play area that gives you a bonus point for every employee, and one card that gives you a bonus point for every piece of equipment. And everything else, I think, was just the points you scored as you were brewing the beer. Right. Uh, I thought it was okay. This might be something like I've got a brother-in-law who really likes beer. He's not a super heavy gamer, so this might be something that I would bring out with him if I could ever get him to play anything. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you like beer, you might be. I mean, it's not it's not a bad game, but it's not something I would tell you that's just like amazing. How about you, Jay? Yeah, I thought it was a nice light game. It's very much sort of an engine game, and it. As Mike was saying, it's it's a lot of luck where you're trying to collect a set and it's such that if you are shooting for a set and you never see it, you're just gonna you're just gonna lose. You're, there's not while there is a lot of board out there to be seen, you don't have a huge amount of control over what's coming up. I, mean, I remember one game we played; it quickly became apparent to me that my initial plan. I think it was you, Chris, were also obviously going for it, so I just abandoned it rather than try to fight you for the specific cards I was after. Well, I ended up losing that game, so yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, and I remember there was a game where I was just trying to get a couple of, because I got a bunch of cost reducers in and victory point increasers for certain types of brews that needed, I think, cherries or maybe it needed coffee. And that ended up accidentally choking you, Steve. Steve. I'm calling you Steve because of your stupid username. Sorry. <laughs> that ended up uh, choking Jay out for a couple of turns, and that was enough for me to get a win in the second game. Yeah. Uh, for, from If my memory serves me correctly. And it wasn't really, wasn't spiteful. It was just I was trying to save up for a couple of turns right in a row, and it, it ended up that no more, like, cherries or whatever it was flopped out, and that's what uh, Jay needed. No, yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of frustrating that because the cards are dual use, seeing somebody else take the card you want because they want the other half of it is kind of annoying. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's there's only four 
of the fruit and four coffee, I think, cards in the entire deck. So when somebody, like if, if people have played two of the coffee cards face up for whatever their effect is, it's going to be very hard to, to do the coffee brews. It's interesting. I, I think some of that is sign that there is indications that there actually is strategy in this, in that you can go for the structures and employees that will give you all give you bonuses for brewing the same kind of beer and then try to brew that kind of beer repeatedly you can try to brew smaller less valuable or not smaller but less valuable standard batches of beer repeatedly relying on things like the barley farmer or the fields that trigger every time you brew so there's right there's one that's every time you brew you can then play a card out of your hand every time you brew you can take a barley card every time you brew you can take a hops card and that favors doing lots of brews that only require a few cards on the other hand just by raw efficiency the fancier brews are all of the things being equal, if I use eight cards to play a porter and a stout, and or I use eight cards to do whatever the big fancy brew was, where I had to have the the coffee and the fruit and the special ale, the special yeah, that ends up being more valuable on a per card basis. There are cards, and there are like you we're talking about, Mike. There are cost reducers that don't apply. To the basics, like all the fancier beers, it require two hops and or two malt. And then you can pull that down, how many of those you actually have to have. So I, I think there were different strategies. I've, pl- I've played this two-player as well, although not the team version. It definitely is harder to stick to your strategy with three. With with only two players, it's a, you're a lot more likely, right? Right? You've got a, basically a 50-50 chance that you're the one that that fruit or coffee flips up for, and it's not 50-50 anymore <laughs> when you go to three players. So I I felt like what even the the best strategy is may vary based on the the player count. So. Yeah, there was definitely luck in it. There was definitely some level of strategy in it. It was fun, but not amazing. And yeah, none of us are beer nerds or beer anything either. Does any of us drink beer? I like ciders. Yeah, I don't think that... I like ciders better too. I I like things that are beer-like beverages, but that have, that you know, good flavors. Um, (laughs) I'm just... We're not hops, people. Yeah. But yeah, like you, you mentioned, uh, I think it was your brother or brother-in-law, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, I have, Katie, my wife, was telling her brother about this, and so apparently now I have to bring it the next time we see him, because it's a beer card game. <laughs> so, I guess if if the theme kicks something for you in this, then it's probably worth going out and picking up because it's, it's it's a small, cheap card game, so it's it's not like it's going to set you back a lot. If you are not particularly tickled by the theme, you probably want to, you know, check it out before you, you went and dropped for it. But, you know, that is Brew Crafters, the travel card game. And then the final of the trifecta we're going to talk about today is Welcome to the Dungeon, 
This was originally released in 2013 as, I think, a Japanese game as Dungeon of Mandom, and it was recently released in the U.S. as Welcome to the Dungeon. I have actually only played the Japanese version. I think that there's one rules change, although I, I could be wrong about that, and that's that there's four different kinds of hero that it could possibly be, whereas in Dungeon of Mandom it's always the same. But thematically... This game is about who who is going to dare to go into the dungeon and and brave its depths. And you start with a hero who has six pieces of equipment and an empty dungeon. And you're going to go around and take turns. And then finally what will happen is that one player will end up taking this hero and going through the dungeon. If you go through the dungeon successfully, you get a point or whatever, you turn your card sideways. If you manage to successfully go through the dungeon twice, you win. If you try to go into the dungeon and you fail, then your character you know, gets reduced to one hit point or, or dies or whatever. Your character dies, and if you die twice, then you're out of the game. So if you beat the dungeon twice, you win the game. If you're the last man standing, you win the game. What you have to do on each of the turns, that, that when it, it'll go clockwise around, when it comes to you, First, you can pass or not, and if you pass, you're out for that round. If you choose to stay in for the round, then you will take one of the monster cards off of the top of the deck, and you get to look at it and see what it is, and then you can either put the monster into the dungeon, or you keep the monster, but then you take away one of the hero's pieces of equipment. So every turn that someone takes that they don't pass out, the dungeon is going to get harder, or or, or I guess the hero becomes less likely to survive the dungeon, either because the hero is less well-prepared or because the dungeon is harder. Some of the equipment gives the hero extra hit points. Some of the equipment lets the hero defeat specific monsters, like this, you know, this equipment defeats all the even monsters. This is a a holy item, it defeats the devils and all the undead, or, you know, it, it, it shuts down the vampires. When you go in to the dungeon, one of the pieces of equipment lets you name a specific monster, because there's only 13 monster cards, I think, and you've got a little reference that tells you which what they are and whether or not there's two or one of them in the deck, and, you know, you, you can name whichever one. And so you, you go around, when you pass, you're out. If you're the last person who doesn't pass, then you are going into the dungeon. So what you're you're often doing when it, you're, it comes around to you, and if you don't pass, you, you have to consider the possibility, if I don't pass, I'm then going to make this dungeon less survivable for the hero. And if everybody else passes, then I'm going to be the one who has to go in. Do I think I am going to be able to successfully go through the dungeon? And when you go through the dungeon, you if you have something that defeats a monster, then the monster is just discarded. If you don't, then the monster will hit you for hit points equal to its, its number. And some of them are small, and the hero might be able to take two or three hits. Some of them will just one-shot you for the most part, uh, depending. If I make things harder, then I might go in and lose. But if I just pass, I, I think it, it might be too easy if then the player to my left gets to do the dungeon. With 
you know, that plus one. So you're always kind of thinking if, if the dungeon as it is now, but one step harder, is that going to enable whoever, you or the person to your left, to be able to successfully complete the dungeon? It's a short game, but I thought it was really fun. There's definitely interesting things, definitely mind games. You definitely have to think a little bit with the limited information that you have. What sort of monsters have you seen? What monsters do you know that are in there? If you've put a couple of the of similar kinds of monsters in there and the equipment that's that's necessary to beat them is still in there, then you might know that the dungeon might be easier than it looks to someone else. On the other hand, if that piece of equipment is out is not available to the hero anymore, perhaps because you took it, <laughs> then then you might be like, ah, I'm just going to pass on this one now. So there's definitely decisions to be made based on limited information, small card games. It reminds me a little bit in that way of Love Letter, which I'm I'm very fond of. It has lots of differences from Love Letter, but it has that same aspect where you have a small amount of information and you're trying to make percentage-based decisions with the information that you have. I I thought this was very fun. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, I think the new version is from Yellow. I'm, yeah, the, the new version is from Yellow. The original version is from Japan and probably costs way the heck too much to get, so I, I don't know that I'd bother going back and trying to dig out Dungeon of, of Mandom. But that was, that was Welcome to the Dungeon. Okay, so we're going to cut it off there. So no more formal game reviews, but we do have a chance is if you guys have any random geeky thing you want to put in a a plug for that you've done recently that you think is awesome that you think people should check out. Is this a reference to the uh, Bones Kickstarter that just started today? <laughs> or were you fishing for something else? I wasn't fishing for anything. I was oh, just okay. saying that is your chance to say I, you know, Mike can go on again about how good Hawkeye is or whatever. You, you, I, I, don't know. I could, I could talk about introductory calculus for infants. I won't, but if you have a kid in like math, it's really hilarious. It's a book. Uh, but yes, Bones is on Kickstarter now. You can pay a hundred dollars for whatever giant pile of miniatures they ended up. Are you going for that, Jay? I haven't decided yet. I did the last one. I've painted a bunch of those. I've enjoyed it. I've got it on my watch on Kickstarter, because I've got two weeks to decide. Yeah, I actually don't think I... I'd have to go back and look. I don't know that I'm actively watching any Kickstarters right now. I think I've... I think I have to wait till the number of projects that I've backed but haven't received yet reduces a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I I did try to resist it. Well, I, I mean, I just... And I just spent money unnecessarily on old L5R cards, because what's important in life is that there be less holes in my binders of old L5R cards. <laughs> that is truly what is important. Speaking of Kickstarter, I actually did the Kickstarter for the 6th Gun RPG, which is a essentially a setting for Savage Worlds. And if you have not read the 6th Gun comic, it is a comic by Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. And... It is very familiar to uh, to Deadlands. It, in fact, it's so familiar 
they actually are making a I believe they hit the the goal for it. They're making a crossover Deadlands slash sixth gun adventure, which should work basically seamlessly because the sixth gun is all about that supernatural kind of southern horror adventure western type thing. I backed that. It, it is over, but I think it should be available um, pretty soon because it looked like they were mainly getting manufacturing costs more so than uh, like it looked like it had already finished. They were just you know getting money to help produce the book. Let's see. So if we're going to shout out, let's who should I? One, let's shout out to Charles Paradis, who who because we do have a Patreon backer. You don't want him to feel like- on Kickstarter, my most recent. Kickstart was also an RPG. I backed No Thank You Evil. Uh, again, it doesn't help you because it's already over. But hey, next February it's supposed to supposed to come out. So I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll do that with the 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 child, the boy. He'll who will be five and a half by the time that that comes out. Maybe I can actually have him on the podcast, and you can either find it incredibly adorable that there's a five-year-old on the podcast, or incredibly frustrating that he uh, is five and is not delivering a bunch of rapid-fire words. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of depends on on whether you find that uh, a- adorable or not. Or maybe he'll just talk about his Justice League figurines uh for half an hour i don't know uh who knows well so that was cthulhu's vault Brewcrafters: the travel card game and welcome to the dungeon you've been listening to strange assembly your tabletop gaming podcast you can visit us on the web at strangeassembly.com you can subscribe to the podcast there or through Stitcher or iTunes. If you use one of those other services, it would be great if you left us a review or a rating. That helps other people discover the podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangeassembly or follow us. We're at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can also contact me directly. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. I always like to hear your uh, positive or negative feedback. But until then, for Mike Cook and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Yeah, yeah, Cthulhu for Hagen. <laughs>